and welcome to Tink, a podcast all about making, doing and the act of undoing that sometimes comes along with that. I'm Catherine Jane and I will be your host. You can find out more about me over at catherinejane.co.uk. There you'll find all of my links to my different social media, so Instagram, Twitter and also Ravelry. So get in touch, it'd be great to hear from you. The show notes are also over there. So if you want to head on over, simply click the Tink link in the top right-hand corner of your screen and the most recent episode will appear with all the show notes attached. So January has been a really long month, or at least it feels that way. Um, I was listening to the last episode just a minute ago to make sure all my notes and stuff were correct for this one. And I talked about going and see a National Theatre screening with my friend. And that, I think, was about mid-January I went to see that. And it feels like so long ago. Like, Christmas feels like a decade ago. Um, Time is just quite strange at the minute. So, at the end of last year, everything was rushing by and it just wouldn't... I couldn't get a grasp on it. But this month, it just seems to be dragging. Um, So, I'm quite glad we're in February now. Um, A lot has happened in January both um, in terms of if you look at the news, we've lost a lot of people this month. Um, We had snow this month, so we had a little bit of coverage over here in the Midlands. Not a lot, I'm going to be honest, but um, one Sunday I was able to go for a nice snowy walk before it went all sludgy and horrible. Um, I'm actually quite thankful when it doesn't snow too much, purely because I have to commute to work and I am... fearing like honestly so scared of the idea of having to drive in the ice um yeah i've only been driving since september really properly i i mean i drove for a year on my dad's insurance um before i got my own car so i've had my own car for about since august september time and yeah i've never had to drive in like any sort of adverse weather conditions apart from very rainy or very windy yeah i've really been (laughs) felt like i was nearly blown off the motorway sometimes this month um yeah it's a bit crazy the weather at the minute just but just mainly very windy and wet um i'm finding so it's not very enjoyable and maybe that's why january feels to be dragging as well because it's kind of gray all the time and even even as somebody who does have gray i would just like a little bit of sunshine um and maybe something to take the chill off the wind also this month a lot has happened personally for me that maybe that's why it feels like um, it's just taken forever because just a lot has happened um, so I will tell you about that a little bit now I guess um, so I spoke in the last episode about how I have sort of career goals um, so I talk obviously about my creative goals on the podcast but I do set myself like exercise goals because I want to start running more it's not really happened this month I've been poorly a few times a bit snotty and it's it's a bit hard to run when your nose is constantly running faster than you are Um so yeah, my exercise goals have been a bit waylaid this month, but my career goals, um, I mentioned last podcast I was applying for jobs after um, after the episode I was recording, and I managed to get myself a new job this month, yes, um, in Heritage, which is what I wanted to get into, so I am now going to be working for English Heritage at Bolsover Castle, and I am really excited, <laughs> Like it's a big change. I've got to get kind of used to this concept. A lot of big changes are happening because of this. So obviously change of job. Um, and also I'm going to be moving moving house. Um, so yeah, that's quite a big step. Me and Graham shall be moving to live with his parents. So at the minute we live with my dad. 
um, because we were trying to save for a house and <laughs> anybody else who is a young person who doesn't work full-time, neither of us work full-time, well, Graham's full-time illustrator, but obviously the money coming in is quite sporadic um, and I only work part-time because I wanted to try and keep being creative because um, I thought I wanted the creativity to kind of lead into career, but you never know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that at the minute. It's, on, it's to the side. But anyway, we're trying to save for a house, so it means that we have to live at home um, to save some money. And yes, yeah, so we'll be moving up there. So it's a big change. Um, <laughs> I've been in contact with like a running group up there to make sure that I'm trying to meet new people and also keeping up with my exercise. And I'm actually quite excited about that because they meet up quite regularly in the week. So I find it really hard to run on my own, which may sound like an excuse. But when you run with other people, you just kind of forget that you're running. Some people be like, no, I'm not going to forget that I'm running. I am running. I will never forget that that fact. But it does take your mind off a bit and you can talk to people and it's really relaxing. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a big change. And I, I am really excited. Um, so, yeah, working, working at Balls Over is going to be uh, <laughs> incredible. It's beautiful up there. Um, you can stand on one of the walls outside the castle and you can just see all over Derbyshire and it is so beautiful. It was breathtaking that moment. And I also visited um, Hardwick this month. Hardwick Old Hall is owned by English Heritage and then the Hardwick New Hall is owned by National Trust. Um, so the Old Hall is in the state of ruin and Bess of Hardwick was obviously living in the Old Hall when she built the New Hall. She couldn't have put her initials on the New Hall any more than she has. They are everywhere. If you ever go, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, she's put, put a very big stamp on the building. Um, and that also, when you go into the Old Hall and you go up, um, I think it's on the third flight, um, the third story even, sorry. And you look out over this window and you just see all of, like, Derbyshire. And it is so beautiful, honestly. It, it is. And also, Hardwick Old Hall is incredible because they have all of these old um, plasterworks. It would have been, like, around fires and stuff. Um, and they've restored them and they've protected them with, like, a special coating. So, obviously, they don't get eroded in the rain. Because, obviously, in the state of ruin it is, the weather conditions can get in. And, oh, it's, it is amazing. I always find it more magical than the existing building because you have to use a lot more imagination. And then you look at all the details and you're like, oh, you're trying to imagine what it would have been like. It's very grand, as is a new hall. But the new hall wasn't open, um, the actual house part. And I don't think that opens until February, March time. So I'm going to have to go back um, and have a nosy. <laughs> I love anything like that. Um, and that's why I'm so excited to be working in that sort of field now. But anyway, <laughs> I'm getting very distracted. I should probably talk to you about my January goals, um, what I managed to get done creatively this month, in this very long month, and also what I have in, in store for February. So, January making. It has been quite productive but um towards the start of the month i got asked to do some like sort of graphic design work for um coats Bass educational trust who i've done some uh, voluntary work with and um it's a great little place near to where i live and they had their own family archives nestled um in in the grounds and it's just an incredible place beautiful place um that are just housing all of these all of this information about this family, the Marriott family. 
And their archives are full of incredible things, like just a backlog of receipts for like bootmakers and dressmakers, and they're all beautifully elaborate illustrated receipts. And there's Bibles and stuff from people in the family. I remember being shown a copy of this Bible where um, one of the young boys, who I think he was at boarding school, and the Titanic had happened, and there's a, the recording in the diary entry. It's just an incredible sort of social history. Um, so anyway, I got asked to do a poster there. So that's taken up quite a lot of my month. Um, but I'm not going to complain. It's all great experience, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that meant I didn't have as much time for making as I would have liked. But saying that, I am quite happy with what I've managed to do, regardless of that. Um, so my small projects went really well this month. Um, so let's start off with the crochet diamond quilt. My goal for that was to make 12 diamonds. And I did make 12 diamonds. I, th- I think I made 13. Um, I realised that I already had some left over from Christmas time, or oh, before Christmas it must have been, that I hadn't sewn onto the blanket or that weren't sewn into a cube yet. So each diamond, there's three different colours and you sew them together to a cube and it looks like a tumbling cube, like um, patchwork quilts. And then you sew it onto the main quilt. Um, so I had I had 10 cubes that hadn't been sewn on to the pa- uh, patchwork. And then I also had two diamonds left over. I think one got broken as well. Maybe that's why I had to replace it. Maybe it was broken. The thread must have got caught and um, it started to unravel. So I had to make a new one. Hint, hint make a 13, which is a bit of a strange number. And I also managed to sew all of those and the other 10 diamonds back onto the patchwork which means I now have 55 cubes on there. So, yeah, I'm quite happy with that. I've decided um, at the minute to just keep keep widening it until it gets to the width that I want. Because obviously when you're doing these cube shapes, it means at the bottom at the side, you have like um, half diamonds that will need making. So I thought, right, if I get it to the right length that I know I need, I can make the half diamonds for the sides and the bottom and the top. Um... Because once it's at a certain width, you're not going to make it any wider. And the grey that I'm using, which I I tend to put on the top of the cube, like I like it when I put it on the bed, I always kind of put it at the top of the cubes. That's the one that I'm worried about running out. So if I can manage to make the uh, the tops and the bottoms, the half diamonds as well, that would really reassure me that I'm not going to run out and it's going to look fine. Um, so yeah, that's been going really well this month. Also, um, I managed to get four pom-poms made this month for my pom-pom makers. So for this, I'm just using old leftover coned wool that I have. And like I mentioned last podcast, one of my big goals this month is to get through a lot of the stash I have. And that includes also a lot of the machine hitting cones. I decided to get rid of my knitting machines um, because I just purely, I just don't enjoy the experience of machine knitting anymore. And... Um, I just thought it's probably best to not have these and they do take I have two machines and they take quite a lot of space and I'm hoping to get rid of them I've contacted some like knitting groups um, machine knitting groups in the local area because I don't I don't really want to put them on eBay um, I would like them to go to someone who I know knows what they're doing with it and where it will get used properly so I've got two knitting machines a river about four different carriages two, two intarsia carriages um, one is a linker and then I also have a machine that 
takes your stitches from your riverbed up to your main bed. Yeah. And then I also have my Hey Linko, which I bought quite recently as well. But I bought it because I thought I really wanted to churn out um, machine knitted things and sell them. And then I just realised it's not for me. And um, Graham was like, well, why couldn't you keep it for hand knitting? But to be honest, I enjoy the slowness of hand knitting. And if I had to do seaming, I'd rather make sure it's done exactly right through hand sewing than bothering to put it on the Hague linker. So, yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff to get rid of. And especially now I'm moving and I won't have a lot of space. Um, so I've got to kind of cut down and stuff. So, yeah, my pom-pom's going well. And then I realised how I've got to make the blanket. So I had to get some canvas, um, like a really open-weave canvas mesh i'm looking at my microphone now and it kind of looks like the microphone where you know you got quite big holes and then you leave when you tie your pom-pom in the middle you leave your ends quite loose and then you sew that through the canvas um, and then you have your pom-pom rug so the pom-poms are going well and then my other scrap blanket right this is the english paper piece and quilt that i'm doing and <laughs> this is the one where i planned it all out and i thought to get it finished by the end of this end of this year i would have to sew 56 hexagons which is eight granny flowers a month okay so i thought yeah i'll be able to get eight flowers you know done in this time that's two flowers a week that's only like sewing 15 things together but obviously i'm hand stitching i'm hand stitching these and it is slow it's tiny tiny stitches um and it also involves like cutting all the fabric well all the fabric's cut but it means wrapping all the pieces of paper, tacking that on, and then making sure I'm choosing the right the right blacks and the right colours um, to go next to things. And, yeah, so I thought I only had to do 56 hexagons. And then I actually sat down and I calculated how many hexagons were in the whole blanket front and then divided it by 12. It was actually something like 100, over 115 hexagons, which would have meant at least three hexagons a day. Which doesn't sound, I mean, three hexagons a day, that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're trying to do so many other things, like, yeah, it doesn't happen for me. I find that, you know, I'm better at, like, focusing on one project each day. Or, like, morning I'll do this and the evening I'll do this. So, yeah, trying to sell three a day isn't isn't going to happen. And, um, like I said, I've been really busy. I think I've managed to do 20 this month. And... I'm going to change the goal for that to be just sewing at least 20 um, each month. So it so it's building still, but, you know, it can't happen. This, it can't happen this quickly. Honestly, it's just not going to happen. Um, and then I also mentioned last, po- last podcast that I was starting another scrap sock yarn blanket. Um, I think it was... The Coziest Memory Blanket by Kemper Ray on Ravelry. And I started it. I did two diamonds and then I started another one, tinked it, then did another one, um, and then started on the fourth. And then I was talking to Graham and I was just like, why am I making another blanket? I know I want to use my scraps. I really want to use my scraps up and I want to like give it some sort of you know, it'd be nice, it'd be a nice project to do, um, but, alright, I have a lot of blankets, 
So when my Aunt Edie passed away, I inherited two of her crochet blankets. And then I crocheted a blanket based off of one of her crochet blankets. And then I also um, obviously have the two that I'm making at the minute, which is five blankets. And I just think, I don't think I need any more blankets right now. I honestly don't feel like I need to, <laughs> to have that. And I'm already working on three small projects, so I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but now, I mean, I've got to try and find something to do with these scraps. So I'm thinking potentially of, like, charity knitting if I can find some patterns. Or some of the yarns are quite Christmassy. So I'm thinking of making baubles and decorations. Or I've seen those, like, advent calendars um, where it's, like, little socks and then you number each one. So I've got to decide what I'm doing with it. So I'm just going to put that. I tinked it all yesterday. Um, I'm just leaving that now, and I will decide what to do with the scrap basket once I come back to it. And also, some of the quantities I have in there of sock yarn, I think I could actually get away with making another pair of socks, but just by doing contrast tone heels. Um, so yeah, I would rather just try and make as many things like a pair of socks with it, or maybe even some scrappy socks where it's just mixing the colours. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be like perfect, perfect. <laughs> Although I do like things very symmetrical and matching. So I might have to make them for somebody else and not for myself. Um, but yeah, I just didn't I just didn't want to make another blanket. I just it just seemed pointless. And I want to, I want my knitting to be quite meaningful at the minute. Like I don't want to waste time on things that I'm not fully enjoying and that aren't getting me any closer to where I really want to go with my knitting. So yeah, some of these scraps could also be used for like mittens and other things of a small project. So at the minute, it's tinked and it's being put on hold, so I'll decide what to do there at another stage. Also this month, I managed to get my present made for my friend Liz. Um, so this was the embroidery project, but <laughs> it was meant to be a Christmas present, and then it got postponed to be a birthday present. But I was really happy with the finish in the end, and I started like really geeking out. <laughs> and I haven't sewn in a while, so when I was making the bag... It had this really nice pins um, lining, so it was like a printed fabric with loads of pins on. And I kind of like it was pattern matching the pockets into the lining that I'd done. So I put some pockets in for her, and I made some that could fit in her crochet hooks and the embroidery around the front, so like get hooked. <laughs> um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I'd love to get into stuff like that a bit more, like more illustrative textiles. I love, I love stuff like that. Um, but it's finding the time, and like I said, I've got this big stash and kind of want to just get rid of a lot of what I have already and then I can start on a blank canvas and um, start doing projects that are more what I want to be doing so also this month I managed to get rid of quite a lot of embroidery threads um, I have like nearly every colour <laughs> embroidery thread that you probably want and more um, and then where I work I work in a school in a textile and the food department and one of the teachers was like oh, I need to order some embroidery threads and then I came in the next day with this big bag for like here, have these. I don't need them. Um, so that felt really good. I really like getting rid of stuff. Um, like I mentioned before, I'm not very good with having a lot of stuff. I find it quite overwhelming. So I might end up donating some of the surplus yarn that I have because even though I mentioned about my big stash, I then have like tons of like acrylic stuff I don't really ever use. Um, and then my friend Liz, I took over some of my stuff saying, do you want any of this? And she went, no, but you can take this now. And then when you get rid of it, you can get rid of this as well. <laughs> and it's like, thanks, thanks, thanks for that. I really want all these more cones and 
um, extra yarn that I'm not going to use. I'll find something to do with it, and worst comes to worst, I will give it to my mother, who is the keen crocheter, and she'll use whatever she gets given. Um, she's not as fussy about wool as I am, so that's all good. Um, but yeah, also this month, in terms of sewing, I made a sort of book cover for Graham's mum. So um, she's asked me to make this book cover, um, and I was like, yeah, that's fine, I'll, I'll do that. So I measured it all up and then I um, got around to sewing it. We bought some fabric in, in nice purpley colours because that's what she likes. So it had to sort of zip around um, and then cover this whole book and then I put a little handle on it. But um, I had to make a maquette out of cardboard. Just I didn't want to cut the fabric and then be like, oh, I've, I've run out. I don't, I, don't, I can't get any more. Um, this is going to be a nightmare. So I actually ended up with quite a lot of spare fabric left over. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But, um, yeah, it was really enjoyable to kind of make something from scratch, you know, take all the measurements, make it. Um, it was quite difficult, though, because obviously the book has the, the front and the back covers, so it cut a bit of fabric out of them. But then you need, like, side panelling to obviously to account for the depth, and then you had a zip in there. But then stitching the side panels around a square cover... It didn't sew as neatly as I would have liked, um, but, you know, it ended up all right. I lined it as well, and then I got some purple bias binding just to cover the edges. I was like a cheat with my lining, um, so I just sewed both the front and the back to the zip and then put bias binding over the messy edges, because that's easier <laughs> than having to try and line all this terribly small thing um, and get it very fiddly. Um, but yeah, it's really satisfying when you measure something yourself and make it. Um, and in the same way, at the minute, uh, for Graham's dad, I talked about this in the last podcast, um, I decided nearer to Christmas, so I was going to make them both pair of socks Christmas. Uh, the socks for his mum were blocking at the minute, and I accidentally spilled water all over them just as I was coming into the studio. I have a little spray water bottle, and... Um, I thought the lid was on properly and I accidentally knocked over and spilled water all over the pair of socks so blocking and were dry and I just was being lazy and hadn't put them away. So now I've got to wait for them to dry again. <laughs> so yeah, always keep your studio or workspace tidy people. Um, so yeah, I'm working on the socks with Graham's dad but I didn't manage to get them finished yet. So a lot of people talk about getting second sock syndrome but I think I get first sock syndrome. Um, I found these really hard. I don't know what it is. Like, the pattern's one that I sort of made up myself. Just basically use the basic toe-up, and then I've applied a cable detail across the front that I like. But it's taking forever. And I also don't like that I have to keep track of where I am, so, you know, that I make sure the cables are in the right place. Um, yeah, the first sock. The second sock's whipping up a lot quicker. I am about... So... The patterns repeats of 24, and I did four repeats of 24 before I did the heel shaping um, on the first sock. And at the minute, I'm on the third... No, finished the third 24 set, so I'm halfway over halfway through the last repeat of 24 before I have to do the heel. Um, yeah, these are also incredibly large socks. Graham's dad has a lot bigger feet than either Graham or I do, Um so it's just taking forever to get to the heel and then I always find once I get to the heel it's fine and it whips up really quick um, but I'm just, yeah not very motivated with them but they will get finished they will 
Um, <laughs> I sound so enthusiastic. No, they're honestly getting to the stage now where I can work through them quite quick. I've been watching a lot of Project Runway Australia last night and was, like, knitting them um, while I was watching it. But it's just quite slow. And I just, like I said, because I have to pay attention to the pattern and mark down, like, oh, I'm on row 12, right down 12, etc., etc. It, it just takes longer than if you're doing, like, a vanilla sock or a pattern that is only, like, a four-row repeat or something. So, you know, it's quite easy to keep track of the four rows. But And I probably could keep track of the, the uh, 24 repeat, but, you know... It, it, some of the bits look very similar, but they're different. And then also, also about this, like, I want to tell you something that I found. So it's cabled. And I was faffing about with my cable needle, um, trying to work it out. And when you're doing socks, it's quite fiddly, isn't it? Obviously, you, you've got your four needles, and then you're introducing your cable in. Because I knit on DPNs for socks. Um, I think that's just because it's how I learn, and I just find it easiest. Um, so, yeah, knitting away, knitting away using my cable and then I was scrolling through Instagram the other day and Claire Devine had put in a little video tutorial in her Instagram that was of her showing you how to do a cable without even using a cable needle and it is brilliant <laughs> I've started using this now and it's so much easier so what she does um, I would recommend that you go and have a look because um, I will try and describe it to you but it's quite difficult so you have your two needles your left hand and your right hand so you slip your next two, you slip your next two stitches, then you knit your next two stitches. If you cable in forward, pick up the slipped stitches with your left hand needle from the front, then you pick those two up, don't pick up the two you knitted, you then pull out your left hand needle, drop your two knitted stitches, I think, yes, then you pick them back up, and then you knit the two that you transferred onto your left hand needle. I don't think I've done a very good job of explaining that. I am sitting here holding a crochet hook in one hand and trying to figure out what I'm doing. But yeah, like I said, go and have a look over at her Instagram. I, it might be a couple of posts back now. Um, but you should be able to see it quite easy on her feed. It's so much quicker and easier. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was reading through the comments, a lot of people are like, this is very brave, you know, to pull your needle out of stitches. But honestly, they keep quite well. Um, and I've just found it so much easier than having to fiddle with a cable needle. Uh, yeah, honestly. So yeah, these socks will be done. They'll be done this month, I promise. Um, in terms of sewing, obviously I've just mentioned two of the sewing goals that I did manage to get done. But I did mention in La Pascas that I would like to get some pants made for myself. Um, from the pretty, uh, the pretty Pants Pattern from the Secrets of Sewing Lingerie book by Catherine Shears and Laura Stanford. Um, I went to a workshop with Laura, like I mentioned before, and I made these pants, and then I bought the fabric. It's been sitting forever, honestly, and it is such a quick thing to make. I just haven't had time to get the book out. And I think one of the things that's, like, annoying, not annoying me, but it's kind of putting me off, is that, um, so all the pattern sheets are in the back of this book, but I don't want to cut, um, out the pattern sheets. I, I need to draft it off, um, trace it off. So I think that's kind of why I've been putting it off because I can't really be bothered. Um, no, no, I can't be bothered. But all of my fabrics are neatly sort of stashed away. Um, whereas like I have loads of projects sitting in my room all the time. And then sewing is very sort of like, it fixes you to a place when you're machine stitching. Obviously you have to be somewhere where you can get your electricity, you've got a desk, you've got a space. And 
I haven't really had time for that at the minute um, to like get everything set up and get on with things. Um, but yeah, that's going to transfer over. And I also mentioned last podcast I was going to make something for my nephew for his birthday, but that didn't end up happening. Um, purely because as well, he's at that age where he's quite young still. And I don't think he would appreciate things necessarily as much um, as I would like. You know what I mean? Like, you spend a lot of time making stuff sometimes. Um, and you don't want to give it to people who don't appreciate it. And also, I couldn't find a pattern quick enough. But, I mean, I'm still thinking... Because I've got all this green yarn that is very perfect colour to make him something Minecrafty, And he's obsessed. Um, so maybe at Christmas, you know. <laughs> and then I've got a whole year to get it done. Because I'm very unrealistic about gift gift uh, making and how long it takes me. So this year, I'm going to have to try and make things throughout the year. Um, and do it that way. So hopefully that will get used to something. I don't want to give it away and then feel like I'm wasting stuff. So, yeah, maybe he'll get something at the end. <laughs> at the end of the year. Um, but that's it for my January goals. Like I said, um, it's been quite busy and I am quite happy with what I managed to do considering, obviously, having restricted time. Um, and I hope, yeah, yeah, it's not been too boring, hopefully, me chatting on. But like I said, check out the Claire Divine cable, um, cabling with no cable um, video that she did. It's incredible. Um, but let's get on to my February goals. So like January, I will have lots of little things that I want to get made this month. Um, that will include crocheting another 12 diamonds. 12, 20 hexagons is the goal for this month and then also the four pom-poms for the little projects I forgot to mention actually in the last part my tambourine cardigan so I really haven't done a lot of this um I think I went through the pattern and then planned out so <laughs> the pattern in the pom-pom magazine it goes you know, here's one set of instructions while at the same time doing this set of instructions and also this set of instructions. And for me, I had to then go like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, write down all the number of rows and then put in where all these things sort of happen or they happen to do, do it at the same time. I find that much easier for my sort of brain to comprehend. Um, so I managed to get the rib finished and I think I did probably about 10, probably only about 10 rows of the actual jumper. So... Yeah, along with those small projects that um, happened in this month, one of my biggest goals is to try and get... I don't want to say I want to get this done. I just want to get... <laughs> I want to get at least the bit where, you know, the back's done and I'm probably starting on some sleeves. Um, back and front, you know, it's knit, it's knit all as one big flat piece. Um, and then, yeah. I do have a half term this week. Uh, this week, this month. Um, so I'm thinking that's a whole week of knitting but also this month's going to be really busy as well because um, yeah when I talk about I've got this new job and when I handed um, handed my notice now so I'll be leaving at the end of the month and then moving up to work so I'll also sometime this month um, or at the end of the month maybe early March so that's all of that that needs to happen um, but I didn't realise when I was intended to leave that the other technician who works in the school was also going to be leaving. So two of us are leaving within the space of a month each of her. Um, a replacement's been found for the other technician. 
but it means that for a couple of weeks there's only me working and it was like split days so I worked three days um, and she worked three days and we had a day of overlap so I'm going to go and do some more hours um, this month so pretty much working full time um, apart from today so I would have gone in today but I have the dentist soon yeah yeah that's a fun start to a month isn't it by going to the dentist but anyway yeah so half term this month so maybe I will be able to get it done um, but then, like I said, I'm working more hours, so I don't know if I'm going to have enough time. But yeah, so the small projects I think will be fine. The 12 diamonds, the pom-poms, and the 20 hexagons. Um, I also want to finish the socks that I've got on the go for Graham's dad. Like I said, I think I've got nine more rows before my heel shaping, then the heel. And I think it's another 24 times 3, which is another 72 rows after that. And then 12 rows of rib. So... Yeah, it will get done. Yeah, my second sock's always having a <laughs> Like I said, I don't get second sock syndrome. I think it's first sock delay. Delay? Um, <laughs> delaying. I think maybe I need to learn how to do two socks at a time. And then maybe that won't happen. You know, maybe I'll actually crack on with it. And speaking of socks, also this month, I would like to get another pair of socks made. These socks are the Love Socks, I believe they're called. Let me just double check. Yeah, the Love Socks by Devin Clement. Devin Clement. Sorry, all the fumble. Um, these socks, are, <laughs> I've had these in my stash. No, my stash, in my queue for ages. And they are stripy grey and white socks, but on their heel they have a little love heart. They're really cute. And I thought, obviously, February's Valentine's, and I'd like to do myself some little love socks um, for Valentine's Day. And I got the yarn for this quite recently. So it's now sitting in my stash waiting to be used. And it's um, Berger de France um, Gumi, Gumi 50, I think. So it's just a sort of four-ply. Um, I got this in a shop that was closing down. So I've got like a cream, um, a pale grey, and then the pink. And then any of those scraps that are left, I've seen some other socks in a very similar colour palette that I really like. I think they're in an ep um, episode of Pom Pom, in a copy of Pom Pom. I can't remember which one. I can't remember what they're called, but they were very nice, like Fair Isle socks. Though I do think when I saw people knitting them, they said there was a bit of a problem with the stretch on it. Because obviously when you do Fair Isle socks, I, I, learned, <laughs> I learned this the hard way when I made socks with Graham that were Fair Isle. Um, then when it got to my heel... I was doing a short row heel, it got very tight around that section of the foot, the very wide section where your heel is to get them on. They fit in, but I probably should have gone up a few needle sizes, just to give him a bit of extra space. So yes, um, not many projects I actually want to do this month in terms of bigger ones. The Graham's dad socks, which shouldn't take long, and then another pair of socks, and then tambourine. But obviously tambourine's a big job. Um, but it feels, I wish I had had more time to knit it, because when I'm knitting with it, it just feels divine <laughs> and I've been using my signature pro needles that I won and they knit so nicely. They are so smooth and um, they're quite sharp. I think the first few times I used them it was hurt my fingers a little bit. Maybe I just knit a bit strange. But yeah, they are, it's such a nice knitting experience and I wish, like I said, I had more time. Um, but yeah, hopefully this month I'll able to crack it out a little bit um, and you know, there's the weekends and stuff. And I'm going to dedicate one of those weekends as well to making sure I get these pants made. They will happen. Um, like I said, they're actually a really quick project. So I have, I don't really have any excuses why I didn't get them done. But um, they've just one of those things that gets put to the side. 
and I really would like to try and spend some more time on them um, get my machine out again and um, get a pattern drafted etc so yeah um, I actually think this is a lot more reasonable for me than my last month's goal um, like yeah January's just always a really busy month isn't it I think and my problem is I set myself a lot of goals and then I can feel a little bit overwhelmed but then I feel like I still have to try and maintain everything and I wrote a blog the other day after reading um, Kate from A Play Four Days Cow she's doing a year of best intentions and that really struck a chord with me because um, it's not about like churning out stuff it's just about thinking about your making and what you're making how can you use up how can you really enjoy the experience because I think sometimes for me personally I get so caught up in all of these goals that I have for myself and I do it because I want to try and learn new things and keep progressing you know <laughs> use up my stash um but it becomes then like about achieving the goal rather than enjoying the process and I just want to take some time to really enjoy my knitting and my making and you know it's a time to slow down time to get a bit of peace and tranquility um for myself and i mean like this month i've not read at all i used to read in the mornings i find that when i read when i eat my um, breakfast it's very therapeutic um calming sets me in a very good mindset for the month but like on the mornings when i have work i get up very early and it's kind of like a get up get things done go straight to work leave um so i don't really have time and then on other days, I just I haven't had left a book downstairs and stuff like that. It's really silly things, but yeah, I mean, making and reading for me are those sort of things where it's taking that time out um, of your day. And actually, I talking about this, and I'm looking at this um, these quotes that I have attached to one of my boards, and I'll read them to you. They're from a book called Slow by Carl Honoré. I think that's how you pronounce it. I will link it in the show notes. And I read this book when I was at uni. Um, and this was after... This was my third year. After all my dissertation was done. And, you know, all the craziness, I think, of the main project was done. And we had a few weeks of sort of rest. Um, and I worked in my um, uni library um, at lunchtimes to help staffing and stuff. Um, I loved it. I loved it. And the people. I really miss that. I really miss that part of uni, strangely enough. Anyway, these are some quotes that I wrote out from the book. Um, I haven't actually written what page they're on or who said them. Because obviously it's not always um, Carl Homro that um, is saying these quotes. But anyway, so one of the quotes was this. Um, the best thing about knitting is its slowness. It is so slow that we see the beauty inherent in every tiny act that makes up a sweater. And the one about reading is, reading implies time for reflection slowing down that destroys the mass the mass's dynamic efficiency um and i just like that's why i enjoy crafting so much that time to slow down and really relax and i think sometimes when i put these goals on there's like time pressured um that you kind of feel like you have to rush through it and it's not for that for me um it's about enjoying it and having that time and i think that's one of the reasons as well why i'm choosing to get rid of my knitting machines um yeah because it's just that for that for that it feels like about speed and urgency and that's not why I want to be making it at the minute also um in the past month I've done a lot more walking and getting outside so I mentioned that me and Graham bought walking boots and we bought some for my little brother 
um, <laughs> we took him out on a hike um, the weekend of his birthday. I think it was about six miles through the countryside. And it's just so nice. We had the OS map in our hands because um, we were following like public footpaths through all these fields. And we discovered so many things that we didn't know were around in that area. We found like this quad bike, uh, dirt bike um, area. And then we had to sort of walk around it while all these bikers were going around. And it was so swampy in this bit. It was after it had been raining. And the fields were like, they were so gross. Oh, sorry. Um, and it was really muddy. <laughs> we came back with mud all over ourselves, apart from Graham. I don't know what means like you were doing. We we're obviously very dirty in comparison. And I think we we're a bit more heavy-footed. Um, but then we also went through this little village. And you had to walk through this house. Like the house on one side, and it had like stables, um, but it had its own private little cemetery um, and chapel, and it was just, it was incredible. I was like, I never knew that was here. Um, another thing we've been doing uh, as a way of getting out is going geocaching. I don't know if anybody knows about this, but it's where, um, so you download this app, geocaching app. It's about G E O C A C H I N G. For a while, I thought it was called geocaching, almost like Pokemon style. Um, so yeah, the, you download the geocaching app, and then it um, tells you where caches are in your local area. And you go to these spots, you find them, and they have like logs in them, so you can write down, "Oh, I found you on this day," blah blah blah. blah. But then you can get bigger ones that have like um, things inside. So we found one, me and Granddad at Columba Park, that was. Um, like a plastic lunchbox full of lots of little bits. And then I took Zeki to one the other day and it had loads of bits in, like a ring and little toys. And the idea is you can take some from it and then put them in another cache somewhere else. Um, but you have to, like, if you take something, you have to put something of sort of an equal value and worth back in. Um, and every time I go, I never have anything on me. But it's a great thing to get you outside and go and walking. Like, I like to go for a walk in the evening when I get home from work after driving for about an hour-ish, <laughs> not an hour, but, you know, getting towards an hour, I find it a bit like, oh, I need I need to stretch my legs and get some fresh air. So it's a great thing to do to get you outside, like I said, because um, before we'd be like, oh, let's go for a walk. We'll walk to the supermarket and then we'll... And then you end up buying food and then you end up buying things. You're like, I don't really need to be spending money um, or eating any more than I am. So it's a better way of getting outside and out and about. And, you know, for my little brother, he's um, 12 now. He's 12. He's not so little anymore. Um, yeah, it's he really enjoys it. And you can see on the app of the geocaching app, like people do it with their kids a lot and it's really fun. Um, and like I said, when you go out a bit more, so in the town, there were smaller logs, very small um, things that you were having to find that were like magnetic attached to things. And you have to try and be stealthy while you're doing it so people don't notice. Because obviously, you don't want people taking these things. So they're set up there for people to have fun, but you don't want people taking them and like, ruin it for everybody else. So, um, yeah, they're small in the towns. But then when you go out into fields and stuff, and some walks, I think, have quite big chests. And people are quite ingenious in the way that they hide things. Graham was saying that he watched some videos of caches in America and they um, they work on like electronic systems where you have to sort of take a battery and attach it to a wire and the cache will come out from a tree. And it's incredible, isn't it? Like the way people think about things. Um, and then after a certain amount of time, 
um, I think me and Graham are going to become members. So we've just downloaded the app and we use it and we're going fine. But when you become a member, I think you pay about £2 a year. And it's not really a lot, but we wanted to try and find as many cash as we could before um, we pay any more. Because I, I paid for the app, but there is a free one. So you can pay this £2 and become a member and then you can leave your own caches. And it's quite sweet because um, when we were at Graham's hometown... There were um, a series of caches that were linked to a couple who met through their love of geocaching and um, they put them in special spots for them around the town. And I just thought, oh, that's so sweet. Um, but anyway, I'm getting totally uh, off off track. But yeah, geocaching's great. Going out for a walk's great. Crafting's great. <laughs> Everything's great. But yeah, um, I'm really excited about February. Um you know, yeah, big changes ahead. So we'll see what happens. So thank you for listening along. I'm sorry that I have mumbled a bit. But before we leave, I actually want to say, a while ago I talked about doing some video elements for the podcast. And I am thinking of doing a uh, an episode that's video. So Tink will come out as an audio um, once a month. And then between podcasts, so like in probably about two weeks... I would like to try and do a video um, to show you what I'm working on and also show you like my progress and stuff. So if you think this is a good idea and you would like to see that, then please let me know. Um, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'd love to hear from people. Any feedback would be great. I can't believe I'm on episode seven already. That means I've been seven months. It, it doesn't feel like I've been doing podcasting for seven months. Um, but yeah, it would be great to hear feedback, to know that people are listening I actually don't look at how many people listen because <laughs> I don't want it to, I'm not that I'd be scared by it, but um, I also don't want to be like, oh no, nobody's nobody's heard and stuff like that. So I'll live in my sort of blissful ignorance and occasionally Graham will be like, yeah, you've got loads more followers. And I'll be like, woo! Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm thinking of doing some videos. And like I said, if you think that's a good idea, please let me know. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to go about it yet we've got to figure it out graham's very techie he's gonna help me out but yeah i just thought it'd be nice because i often talk about things but you know it'd be great to see it um i know also want to say i bought some sock blockers this month yes um so my goal is not to buy any yarn but i needed some sock blockers i think i put on instagram the other day <laughs> i was blocking so the socks i mentioned that i accidentally spit water on i'm blocking them on blocking balls like flat um, so I decided to go get some sock blockers from Suffolk Socks, who is run by the very lovely Julie, who I shared a room with when I was at the Geeky Puff and Nipplooza. So if you head on over there, it's SuffolkSocks.com, and you can find everything that you will need for your sock making needs. So she has a great range of yarns, notions, um, I think she also has the project bags that she makes on there, and they're beautiful. I bought one for my friend at Christmas, and... Yeah, she does also really funky little cards. Um, I bought one for my mum that said Happy Hooker because my mum loves to crochet, not for any other reason. <laughs> so yeah, head on over there. Like I said, it's SuffolkSocks.com. Um, yeah, great choices of yarns as well. There's so many sock yarns on there that I really want to buy, but like I said, I'm trying to be good and not stash. Um, and you can find her on Ravelry too if you are more used to using that. But yes, thank you for listening along. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and I hope that January hasn't as dragged 
as much for you guys as it has for me. <laughs> I hope you enjoy February. We have an extra day. So I am intending to fully use that to just craft away and have a great time. But yes, thank you very much for listening. And I hope you have a great month of making, doing, and even if it leads to some undoing. Until the next episode, enjoy! Enjoy!